This is a Broad Pods production. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Broad Radio. For Women's Health Week. A broad radio pop-up show. For Jean Hales for Women's Health. Hello and welcome to a very special pop-up show of Broad Radio celebrating Women's Health Week for Jean Hales for Women's Health. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is Bianca Chatfield. Hi there, B. Hey Joe, thanks for having me and happy Thursday to everybody out there watching. Happy Women's Health Week to you as well, Bianca. And I wanted to ask when it comes to health, right? You have the very unique position of having been a professional athlete, which is different vastly from my own. <laughs> and I'm going to suggest most people, right? So you have had your health monitored in a way that most of us haven't and you sort of learned habits and behaviours around being a professional athlete. What is something you have taken into your post-athlete life that is a non-negotiable for your health? I think definitely having time to myself but also being able to set boundaries and not feeling guilty about it. Ah, So as an athlete, of course, you must because being the winner is kind of the most, that's the biggest priority, I guess. So as an athlete, you have to set boundaries. So you still do that now, even though you're not playing in a game or a grand final or a, you know, world championship. And in different ways, totally different ways. But don't get me wrong. I mean, athletes, we have a lot that we learn, but we also learn how to be very selfish as well. So you kind of have to strip a little bit of that selfishness back, but also make sure you have boundaries to protect how you're feeling. And when you've got energy for others or when you've got energy for yourself and make sure that you, you know, look after that. Mm, I like this. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to ask you more about that as we go through this conversation today. Um, Every day this week, we are bringing a live show at one o'clock, uh, covering all the different themes that Women Health, Women's Health Week brings. Today, of course, is Mind Matters. Tomorrow, in our last show, one o'clock tomorrow, we're going to be talking Slumber Party. And we are partnering with Jean Hales for Women's Health as we do this. If you don't know Jean Hales, they are an amazing not-for-profit national organisation that are dedicated to promoting and improving women's health at every stage of their lives, which is one of the things I really love about it because we just continue to thrive as we age it's absolutely critical um, as I said it's a different theme every day and today's theme is mind matters mm-hmm. 
we believe that you can't talk about mental health enough. It's absolutely critical. We all are feeling a little shabby these days when it comes to our emotional and mental health, I think. So we want to dive into how we're feeling and how we can feel better. And to help us do that, we're joined by psychologist Dr. Sarah Cotton. Hi there, Sarah. Hi, guys. Great to be with you this afternoon. It's such an important conversation to open up. It really is an important conversation. And when we say open up, we want to open up to everybody who may be watching live right now on Facebook or YouTube. And we invite your questions. So you can pop any questions or comments that you like in the comments as you're watching. And um, we'll shoot those questions right across to Sarah, who's here to help us feel better. And to really have that open conversation, we want this to be useful and motivating for you. And also, I think a lot of it is about knowing that we're not alone that we all struggle, don't we, Sarah? Absolutely. I think the fact that we, to know that we're not alone is probably one of the most important things at the moment. I think sometimes we can feel so lonely in it, particularly the emotions of what we're all going through, that if we can achieve that today, if those of your listeners listening in can walk away knowing that they're not alone, then I reckon that's a pretty good conversation to have today. Mm. And I think also too to remember that to everybody out there, there's no dumb questions, is there, Sarah? Like if there's something that is floating around in your head and you think, I just wish I knew the answer to that or had some expert knowledge on it, please, please, please send it through because I'll certainly be putting my hand up with some questions that might seem naive and silly, but I really want to know the answer. No, there's no silly question. I just have to say right at the get-go though, Joe, I don't have a magic wand, unfortunately. So as long as we set that expectation, then we'll be okay. Well, I mean, I think I love that you say there's no dumb question, Bianca, and also in a lot of ways there is no, there's no ticker box you're cured. You know, mental health, I feel like, is a daily commitment to honouring your needs in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's so true. And I think we think a lot about our mental fitness, Joe. you know, and we don't expect just to wait to go to the GP. We, we know we attend to that a bit more regularly. We don't so often think about our mental fitness. And I think, you know, it's really important. And I'm sure you'd appreciate this, Bianca, having, you know, focused so much on your physical well-being, how important it is to invest in your, your mental fitness as well. So let me then start by asking, I've heard and in fact used often this term, it's okay to not be okay. Right? It's, it's kind of bandied around this statement. What does not being okay mean to you, Sarah? Yeah, I think for me very personally, it really means that sometimes, you know, in the circumstances of our lives, um, depending on what we're juggling, that it's actually okay not to be okay because sometimes there's really heavy stuff going on for us in life. And so, you know, when things are really tough and when things are abnormal, such as COVID, what we're all living through at the moment, it's actually really normal to not be okay. So I think right at the get-go, Joe, it's just so important to acknowledge that. When things are abnormal, sometimes it's really normal not to actually be okay. And Sarah, is it is it okay to say that as well? Because I feel like when people throw it out to you and say, hey, going, instantly we have this reaction of, yeah, I'm okay or I'm going well or I'm good just because you want to brush it off. So is it actually okay for us to put our hand up and go, we're not okay? And what should we expect back from that person? Yeah, I think it's absolutely okay to say that we're not okay. And I think that you're right. So often it's just the automatic response, isn't it, to go, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm okay. I think the more that we can be vulnerable with one another, the more that we can be real with one another, it opens up and it gives us permission to actually share with each other and normalise that we're that we're actually not okay. So I think that that's really important and that's really great, Bianca, that you have, have raised that. I think it's, it's, it's just so important, particularly at this time, to be honest with each other. 
So you mentioned COVID there, and obviously it is an abnormal time and extreme pressures on everyone, particularly women are juggling so much. You yourself are remote learning today with your kids and you're doing this with us and you did warn us there might be children entering at any time as my child could also enter any time. I welcome it. I love that chaos. But there's also added pressure. What impact have you seen this time have on women specifically? What are women reporting to you that they're feeling? Yeah, there's some really general themes that are emerging. I think what we're seeing is that women have largely worn the brunt of the caring the caring responsibilities through the pandemic. So we're largely seeing a lot of what we call this work-life conflict and just this, um, this burden of responsibilities, or you might have heard it called the triple load as well, where women are juggling, you know, not only many, in many cases, their work environment, um, also, you know, home learning, as you said, Joe, but also continuing to carry the burden of responsibilities of caring responsibilities, not just in some cases of their kids but we're seeing you know more of that sandwich carer uh, kicking in where they're also caring particularly through the pandemic for their aging parents as well so that's been a, a really big one joe that we've seen just that real burden of responsibilities that that so many women um, are juggling you know no matter what their age is actually i know you're nodding there bianca i can see yes. you agreeing <laughs> And I'm also loving because we're already getting feedback from um, everybody watching with some questions too. And one question that I just thought then that if you do tell somebody that you're not okay or if you hear that from someone, what is the next step to take? Because, you know, I know for me I've had friends where you ask them that and they say they're not okay and then I go into this bit of a panic mode of I don't know what to do next. I know I want to help them and support them but how do I actually do that? Yeah, it's a great question, Bianca, because I think sometimes we freak out, don't we? We sort of expect people to do that automatic response. We go, please say you're okay, please say you're okay, because if you say you're not okay, I'm actually not sure what I'm going to do. So I think, first of all, it's really important to be prepared for that. And I think one of the best things you can do is just um, really acknowledge that you actually don't have to solve the problem. Like you're not expected to be the amateur psychologist, you're their friend or you're their family member. And so if they've chosen to open up to you, then see that as an incredible thing because we often know people don't don't have the courage often to actually open up. So the fact that they've chosen to actually let you into their world and their story is incredible. And it means that you're a really good friend. It means that you're a really good family member, that that person feels safe with you. So, you know, acknowledge that rest assured, take a deep breath and go, you know what, they really trust me here. And so, you know what, I'm going to sit back. I don't have to solve this. I just need to be able to listen. And if I realise or if, if in the conversation I recognise that they're not okay, and I mean not okay, not okay, so mm. that it's not just this, this um, you know, the, the roller coaster of COVID, but there's more to it. If I think that they're not okay, then I can help them to get the help that they need. And often when people are in that situation, the best thing that you can do is actually then help them get the professional help that they actually may need. I think there's a lot in that conversation around being okay with the discomfort of mm. hearing someone say something that is scary for you maybe or to actually sit and listen and not try to jump in with a solution is hard because you have to shut up. Really hard. <laughs> You have to shut up and listen to the words they're saying and the meaning between them. And and that can be really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think it's about sitting with the discomfort of that, Joe. I think that one of the best things that we can ever do for anyone is to really listen 
I mean, at the moment, what we know is there's so much, you know, things like, I don't know if you've heard that word, um, technoference. It's one of the biggest issues that we've got at the moment where people are just so consumed with technology that they're not, they've lost the art of actually being present with their friends and their family. So the ability to actually really listen, and I mean, you know, really listen to someone is such such a lost art and it can just, you can't underestimate the importance of actually really, really listening to someone. And we also have a question about what happens if you know someone isn't okay, but they actually don't tell you anything. They say they're okay, you know, I'm fine, I'm good, and they just want to brush you off, but you really do know that they're struggling. How do you then tackle that part of it? I think that's really normal because of the conversation that we've had. Sometimes it takes time for people to feel comfortable to open up that they're not okay. So I always use the knock on the door analogy. It's it's about letting the person know that you know you've noticed that you you know you might be a bit worried about them. Use some practical examples to let them know what you know what you've seen and just say, look, you know where I am. If there's anything that I you know if you ever need to call or if there's anything that I can do, you actually know where I am. And then I'd be checking back with them. So that knock on the door sort of analogy where it's often the first knock, you may say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. The second knock, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But if you, you know, if you're able to do that, often people go, oh, they're really in this with me and um, they really do care about me. It's not just this pleasantry of, you know, um, they feel like they have to check in, but they actually really care and they really want to know that I'm okay. Um, Often um, that can really help Bianca to just, you know, Take your time with people and let them know that you're there uh, when and if they're ready. So we've had another question which I love from Katrina on Facebook because it's actually a question I had. Well done, Katrina. Um, (laughs) Katrina wants to know what are your thoughts on the term languishing, which is something I think she says it describes how people are feeling in lockdown. I have sort of read it in terms of it's when you wouldn't say you're quite depressed, you're not quite something that's diagnosable, what even is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a great term. Um, so it was a term actually, Joe, that was actually coined about 20 years ago, can you believe it, by a sociologist called Corey Keyes. And um, this guy by the name of Adam Grant actually wrote about it. He's another psychologist and he wrote about it in the New York Times just a couple of months ago. Um, and it sort of the whole world went, that's how I'm feeling. So yes. what it actually is, it's, it's, it's almost like this middle child where you're not sort of, you're not quite um, in depression or, you know, mental illness, but you're not sort of um, flourishing either. It's that that middle child. Um, and I think for so many of us, we just, and you, I was good to see your nods there too, Bianca, but that's it. You know, I'm feeling blah, I'm feeling mare, I'm feeling like it's Groundhog Day. Um, and so that's what languishing is. It's that, that middle child where we're just feeling really flat and stagnant and what can we do about it (laughs) how do we change it how how long how long have you got how long we got (laughs) we want some useful tips (laughs) so are you going to say something Bianca then sorry I was going to say I I thought it was this new fashionable word because I'd seen it all over social media this week but as soon as I read it I could relate so much to it and I almost had a bit more comfort knowing there was a description for how I was feeling and that even allowed me to go, oh, okay, I recognise that that's where I am right now. And I didn't feel as worried about kind of the place I was in. Does that make sense um, with for you? 
Yeah, spot on. And in fact, it links to your question beautifully, Joe. in the sense that one of the best things that we can ever do with emotions to help us is to name them. And that's been the beautiful thing about languishing is it actually gave us a label to how we've been feeling. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, the aim of this, you know, this um, interview this afternoon is if it's to help people know they're not alone, then that's, you know, that's how, how cool to actually have a label to what many of us are feeling. So naming it would be one of my tools, Joe. Um, the second one is about just making sure that we concentrate on our mental fitness as well. So looking at how we sort of protect and do all those little things every day. So, you know, are we actually stopping to get some fresh air every day? Are we sort of putting fuel in our tanks? Are we, you know, taking time to sort of make sure we're getting some sleep or are we doing that good old revenge bedtime procrastination where we're sort of up watching Netflix until sort of one or two o'clock? So actually um, getting back to basics and protecting our, our mental fitness is, is really important. And then there's probably... Um, Another big strategy that the literature talks about that's that's actually getting a lot of traction at the moment to help us with this sense of languishing. And it's what's been termed, uh, again, by a sociologist, um, actually a positive psychologist, I should say, with this one uh, many years ago, and it's the term flow. I don't know, Joe and um, Bianca, have you guys, you would have with your sports, I reckon. Yes. Bianca, you would know about flow. Always, yeah. it was about getting yourself into that motion and that flow where you're mentally feeling like you can do anything, like nothing's affecting you no matter what's going on around you. So this is pretty cool though, yeah, because there was mm. this study done in China. So China have sort of been a bit ahead of us as far as the like the research about what's helping with our mental health at the moment. And so pretty early in the sort of the pandemic, they started researching, you know, what are the tools that can help us, particularly in lockdowns and, and quarantines. And they compared a number of evidence-based sort of tools. And the early sort of results that are coming out of that are actually showing that there's something pretty magical about flow, about that ability of us as humans when we get into that zone own when we're sort of so caught up in the moment that you know time passes quickly um, mm. we're not worrying so there's something incredibly powerful and so one of the things that you know is great for thinking about and then any parents listening in this is a great strategy for your kids as well is to be thinking about how can you get them more into flow mm. and so you know hobbies um, is a great one you know what, what did you used to love as a kid so I know for me, when I play the piano, as a really concrete example, I am absolutely in my zone. You know, time just goes quickly and the worries of the day, you know, go out the window. So I think it's a good strategy to, for your listeners to, to think about how they can sort of bring more flow into, you know, work and life. When you talk about flow, because I'm not an athlete, I've established that. Um, <laughs> but I'm I, laughing, Joe, because you would feel it when you were performing. A hundred percent you would yes, feel like that. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely be. Um, but I trained myself to do that through mm. mindfulness and present moment awareness. Um, so I see flow as something that you can do anywhere, anytime by just really putting your attention to something, whether it's playing the piano or when you're on stage, you're totally in the moment of the, you're in the connection moment. with the audience, right? Whatever it might be, you, you, for me, mindfulness is so key. What, what do you, what's your take on mindfulness, Sarah? Oh, absolutely. Our mindfulness and flow go hand in hand, yeah. The more mindful you can be, the easier it will be for you to actually get into flow. So I, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. I think, uh, and that study actually talked about that that exact point uh, and how important that, particularly at the moment, that, that mindfulness has to play in protecting our well-being as well. Can you just speak a little bit about, for people who are, they've heard the term mindfulness because it's everywhere, yeah. can you just explain 
just one or two steps you can take to sort of start exploring what mindfulness is for you? Yeah, it's the ability to be present in the present moment. And so I think sometimes people overthink it and they think, oh, I've got to do, you know, one hour of mindfulness practice, you know, every day. And they're going, I just can't do that. So my advice to people is always, you know, what are the little moments in the day that we can have the opportunity to bring that mindfulness into our day to day? And so even just, you know, bringing it into the rhythms and routines of your day. So I know when I brush my teeth, for example, I, I always make sure I stop and I use that opportunity just to be mindful of, you know, what, what does it feel like? What does it taste like? Um, even one activity that I've been doing in COVID with the kids is a really nice one too, Joe. And sorry, you asked me to be quick on this. Sorry, no, I, I love it. Example? Don't be quick. Go, go. I mean, I'm enjoying <laughs> everything you're saying. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's, it's one of the great ones. And I think it's a lovely practical example, actually, is when, when we go on the walk, you know, the good old COVID walks that the kids are starting to actually hate now. Yes. Is, anyway, that's another whole conversation. <laughs> but I get them to, yeah, yeah, I get them to say, you know, what, is, what are three things that you can hear on the mm. walk? And so what you're doing is you're getting out of automatic pilot which we're so good at, aren't we, as humans, and actually getting them to ground themselves in the present. You know, oh, I can hear the traffic or oh, I did listen to that bird. That's a cool bird. You know, or I can hear, you know, the neighbours talking over the fence or I can hear the sizzling of the barbie, you know, if we're walking, you know, after after home learning and everyone's starting to cook the tea in that. So, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated, Joe. just to mm. round this question off, answer off rather. It's about finding, finding the moments in your day yep. where you can get out of automatic pilot, get out of the good old groundhog day and actually be present in, in what you're actually doing. And what I love about it is, like I say, I trained myself as a performer through those sorts of activities um, to really put yourself in the thing that you're passionate about and that's where flow comes. Um, but it also allows you to not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or next month or next year mm -hmm. because right now you're doing this thing and that's all that matters. Yeah, and I think as women, we're particularly good. I mean, I don't know if you guys will disagree with me, but I reckon we're pretty good at ruminating. We tend to think mm. overthink a lot. I'm sure I don't I'm not know alone. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what? Good, good. I'm not alone. I'm, I'm doing, doing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, that chatter is just always there, isn't it? You know, and yeah. we're often our, our worst critic. You know, yeah. we, we're much kinder on our friends and our family than we ever are on ourselves. The unrelenting standards that we have on ourselves as women are just so soul-destroying in many cases. And, I could, again, I could talk all day about well, we that. Will. But I think it – okay, good. Yeah, we yeah. Will. Anyway, I've lost, my, I've, lost my train of, I've lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> I'm hoping that you've got it. Well, yeah, no, we will get to self-compassion <laughs> a little later on. I want to mention one question from Facebook and then we're going to get to a caller in a minute as well. So – Melissa brings up the problem when you talk about what are you passionate about and do that, like play the piano. Melissa says, I find that I'm just not passionate about the things I used to be passionate about and don't have the energy or concentration to focus. And I've heard this so much from people saying, I just can't focus anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that COVID fatigue—that's what it's called because of the long haul of COVID. Um, our what it, what we call our surge capacity has really reduced, and so it's really, really common that many of us are finding it really hard to to get that energy back or that motivation back or the ability to focus is really tricky, particularly of those of us in in full homes. So I think you know we have to acknowledge the reality of that, and it's okay. Um, but to just even be able to start finding those small moments, Joe where we can create some space, um, even if it is just for five minutes, a couple of minutes to actually start, um, you know, addressing those really real challenges and those really real feelings that, that many of us have in COVID. Mm. So we are going to take a little bit of a break because we're going to get to a phone call and that takes a 
bit of multitasking from me that I need a break for. But if you have joined us today on this show and you're not familiar with what Broad Radio is, we do broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 9am. We have guests everywhere from sport to entertainment, comedy, music, uh, politics, you have you, all the things that women love to talk about. Um, And here's a little bit of an explainer to tell you what we're all about. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am Australian Eastern Standard Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call or text on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis. We've got you covered. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Alrighty, so we do have a caller who's been waiting very patiently and I'm going to say, uh, hi there, Shay, is that you? It is, thanks. Hi. Welcome to Broad Radio. It's lovely to have you on the line. You have a question for Sarah. Oh, are you there? Hi, Shay. Oh, yep, you're back. (laughs) (laughs) What's your question, Shay? Okay, my question is, I guess, um, you know, I know that me and a lot of my female friends are taking on a lot of excess caring during COVID, so be it homeschool or, um, yeah, you know that we're, we're looking after relatives. I'm just wondering how we prepare for the fallout of that excess care when we sort of get to the end of it and what do we think the long-term impacts on women are going to be sort of, you know, when we come out of this period? Yeah, it's a great question, Shay, and I think I just want to acknowledge that women are wearing the brunt of that caring responsibility as we talked about earlier in the interview. And in fact, some of the research is showing that working women are taking on four times as much of that caring responsibility than working men are. So I think that just gives you a really powerful objective measure of how much we're actually carrying. So the impact of that is, you know, is great on women and women's mental health and well-being. I think the fallout of that is the legacy of that will be, you know, massive for, for years to come. And and so what I would be saying for us as women as we as we navigate um, the long term of this, um, because the uncertainty of COVID is, is ongoing, yeah, it's not going to be ending anytime soon. And so we need to make sure that looking after ourselves and back to your point, Bianca, which was so powerful at the beginning of this interview, is, is no longer a luxury. And I know as women, we find that really hard to prioritise. You know, we're often the last on our to-do list. We advocate for everybody Absolutely. else. 
but ourselves. So I would just say that we have to put ourselves higher on the to-do list today because if, if we actually don't do that, my fear, Shay, is that we will not be sustainable um, and then we're not going to be okay for the people that are depending on us and that we care for. And Shay, how do you go with prioritising yourself? Look, it's a balance, right? I have two children. So I have a two-year-old and a seven-year-old and my partner works in emergency services. So, yeah, yeah just carving out sort of that time for your own, your own mental health and space. I try and exercise every day. I try and make sure I check in with my friends because I find, you know, just a chat with a girlfriend going for a walk um, kind of, you know, grounds me a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's difficult to carve out that time, I think, because we do prioritise everyone else in the family or work or homeschool or things like that before ourselves. Yeah, it's so tricky, isn't it? Sorry, Joe. can I just jump in? Sorry, I, I just want wanted to, to sort of say one do. thing. Yeah, yeah, because I just think it's so interesting at the moment, particularly it's interesting you hear you've got young kids, Joe, and, you know, I feel for you I'm in the same boat. And um, I just think that, you know, something that helps us often as women is if we don't actually look after ourselves, then um, what we know is that the, the kids are watching us too, yeah? And so, yeah. you know, we need to be able to know that um, one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to actually uh, look after our own well-being through COVID because they're watching. And what we know from the well-being and protection of kids' well-being is if they've got, um, you know, adults around them that are coping and that are looking after themselves and they're seeing that, that can have a really powerful effect, effect on our kids as well. So I, I don't know about you, Shay, but that's really helped me to make sure I do prioritise my well-being because I go, you know what, this is, this is the kids are watching as well and they need yeah. me to be okay. You know, I ha- if, if if I'm not okay, then man, that's going to have. We reckon homeschoolings have, uh, sorry, home learnings having an impact on them. If their mum is actually starts not being okay, then that's going to have a much more profound impact on them. Yeah, I think that's. I don't know if that resonates would at all. You say, would you say in that matter, definitely prioritise the kids having fun rather than you know the homeschooling and and sort of prioritise the the mental kind of you know capacity of us rather than trying to get the task done for them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, it was interesting. I um, I heard a, a, another colleague psychologist interviewed the other day and I, I couldn't agree with him more. He said these two things. He said, if we can protect our kids' wellbeing through this and we can also protect their love of learning, which means to still have fun in their learning, then he said, you know, we're going to be okay. And I just thought, wow, that yeah. was just such words of wisdom. It really helped me. And it got me, he goes, you know, so rather than thinking about it as this task, you know, we've got to do the, you know, the, they've got to log on for their, you know, their welcome call in the morning and then they've got to do their reading. You know, you know what it's like. I'm talking mm, to the choir here. Yeah. But rather than feeling as if we've got to, you know, um, do all these things and it be a task, it, it changed my mindset. And I thought, wow, how can I make sure that Jack and Grace don't lose their love of learning? So can I do some more cooking? Can I, you know, what can all, you know, just some more fun activities? where we can incorporate the learning into those. Give it a nice way to look at it, actually. Oh, Shay, can I also mention another thing that you said which really resonated with me that I think women need to set themselves time for is connection with each other. And there's this, you know, assumption that women are really good at talking, much better than men, but I don't think we necessarily allow ourselves the time to catch up. And you talk about, Shay, walking and talking with your friends or connecting with your friends. That's clearly been really critical to you getting through. Yeah, I heard a really, um, my neighbour actually told me that he plays a game of um, 
Russian roulette. So he basically just flips through his phone and he picks a friend that he hasn't contacted, you know, for some time. And then he calls them, which I think is a really great way of refreshing kind of, you know, the information you're getting. You tend to get the same information from the same group. So I've been trying to do that and just reaching out and, you know, speaking to older friends or checking in with people that live interstate, which I think is really helpful. Yes, I love that. I, obviously, uh, you would always recommend connecting with other people, Sarah. Oh, my goodness. Connection with others is, you know, the best mitigator of loneliness. And we know that loneliness has been so real. In fact, there was an incredible study. I don't know if you read it, Joe Swinburne released, released it sort of earlier this year that said one in two of us in Australia through the pandemic are, are feeling lonely. So that ability to connect with others is so important. But the irony is, though, often when we need to connect the most is often when we don't feel like it. And yeah. so sometimes you've got to actually push through that and go, you know what, I feel crap today and I'm going to just defer this phone call that I had with my, you know, the girlfriend this afternoon. I'm guilty of this too. I do. I, know, yeah. I have a regular date with my best friend on a Friday and for some crazy reason it's the first thing that I ditch if I'm feeling crappy and yet it's the, the, yeah. most, the thing that I need to hold on to with two hands the most at the moment. Yeah. And also, do you think the connection and how we connect with our friends is really important too? And that if you're spending all day on Zoom with work, the last thing you want to do is jump on Zoom with a friend. Like sometimes just putting in your earphones and off you go for a walk and actually talking on the phone is okay too. I feel like we all feel like we have to see each other all the time on Zoom, but sometimes just being out in nature while you're actually having a chat on the phone is just as important, if not better for you than being on the computer. Oh, well, I think two it's things way better. I think fun. we're all done with Zoom cocktail parties yes. for few nights. I think talking on the phone is a lot nicer. It's true. It's so old school. It's like, let's pick up a phone and talk and, and just, you know. Yeah, I love it. Shay, thank you so much for joining us on Broad Radio. It's been awesome to have you. You're so welcome. Lovely to chat. Yeah, you do. You take care. And I've got more calls, uh, more questions for you. It's so great they're coming in from Facebook and YouTube here. Um, Katie's asking, any tips for doom scrolling, how to avoid feeling overwhelmed while also keeping up with the important information? Yeah, I think right at the get-go of the pandemic, the World Health Organisation released this gold piece of advice. Um, Mental Health Commission also echoed that, which is we actually need to moderate the amount of media that we're consuming at the moment and really go to trusted sources of information would be my recommendation. I think otherwise there's that... Um, you know, this we can fall into that trap of just checking all the time because of the high levels of uncertainty. But I think, Joe, one of the best things that we can do to protect our health and well-being at the moment is to control what we actually can control. And media consumption is actually one of those things. Mm. And do you also agree with not always having to know the numbers for each day? It used to be something at the start that was everyone's like, oh, we're this today and now we're this tomorrow and whatever. But I feel so much better when I actually just don't even tune into it and I just carry on with whatever I'm doing and not get so obsessed with what the numbers are. Yeah, I think it's absolutely, you know, each to their own on that. But I certainly would back you up on that, Bianca, and say that it's about the protection of our mental health and well-being at the moment, regulating that media consumption. And, yeah, you don't need to know the numbers every day, you know, and that's okay, you know. So I think, yeah, yeah sorry, Joe. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like what you're talking about there, B, as you sort of go, oh, I don't need to check in with the daily. That's, for me, acceptance that this mm. is what we're living with now. Because when I was checking in, it was like a, there comes a sort of a, you know, oh, let's hope it's different today. Well, we do hope it's different, but also you've got to learn to live with it in a way. That's right. And also, yeah. you know, if the numbers are higher, instantly your brain turns to mm. this fear of, oh, here we go. We're going to be here for another five weeks and, and you can't help but 
think forward. Um, but when you don't know, you're just living in your own little world of, okay, <laughs> we just keep staying locked down until we're not, and that's just okay. Joe, can I just jump in? Yes, I love I love what you just said then about acceptance. I read this article the other day that talked about radical acceptance at the moment and how important it is to actually accept the circumstances in which we've been dealt at the moment. And actually then um, just focusing what I said earlier about putting our energies in what we can control. I just I want to say that again because I think mm. it's so important for your listeners is there's a lot at the moment that we can't control and if we try and control it that's where it starts impacting our mental health and well-being so it is actually about saying every day what are the things that I actually can control and I think if we if we spend our energy there it's a really great place because our our energy is not unlimited is it mm. as particularly as women <laughs> So I mean, yeah, you've got to know what to let go of, yeah? And that's the thing. I think we we have bought a lie that we can just keep going and going and absorbing and absorbing and just handing out energy everywhere you go. But that's a lie. It's not true, is it? No, it's not true. And I think sometimes it, you know, it, it takes a crisis to hit us before we actually realise that. And I always say to people, you don't wait for the crisis. You know, sometimes we're like that frog in boiling water that we have, particularly as women, we don't realise how hot our water's getting until crisis points hits, whether that's our health, our relationships, etc. So, you, you know, you want to make sure you're checking in on the temperature of your water mm-hmm. um, so that, yeah, you're looking after your wellbeing proactively. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, we, we, we're not historically very good at that. And so I assume too where we're like trying to, you know, rebuild our energy and fill up our bucket as you hear people say comes back to our mental fitness what makes us feel good and having an awareness of that do you have a lot of people around you Sarah that you work with that don't actually know what helps them fill their bucket up yeah you'd be it's it's right Bianca I think sometimes we just get caught so much in automatic pilot that we just you know we live that life that we forget we forget about what actually fuels us and yet the irony is you know we expect our mobile phones to be charged every night don't we and yet for some some reason we don't expect that of ourselves we don't build in that recovery time but yeah I think people have lost um, the art of knowing what fills their cup and we know I mean I think Libby Trickett you know we're talking about athletes today Uh, I think Libby Trickett said it best after the birth you know how she suffered terribly from postnatal depression after the birth of her first baby and she said you know guys we can't pour from an empty cup you know we have to we have to be able to know what fuels us and that's going to be different to it for every one of us listening in today but we have to actually remember remember what is it that that fuels us and sometimes it is you know just remembering you know as a kid what was that what were the things that we loved what were the things that we used to do what are the things that matter you know for for us so important I think Bianca because you're right too many people lose that and forget that And I wonder if a strategy, well, for myself, one of the things that's allowed me to really understand what fills me up is to find stillness and allow the voice inside me to tell me. Because we fill our lives with such busyness and don't allow ourselves to sit with who we actually are, you know. So, of course, we forget how to fill our cup. Absolutely. Do you know, um, I just, as you're talking, Joe, I just thought of another strategy that's quite helpful for clients too is um, 
as a way to start building that, I guess, that self-awareness about all of this self-care piece is to know what your early warning signs are when you're not okay. So that can actually be a lot easier. Um, so I know, and there are things like, you know, if your sleep's impacted, if your nutrition's impacted, if you're, you know, if you're, um, if your fuse is a bit shorter than it normally is. I know for me, and I'm happy to be quite vulnerable with your viewers um, and listeners this afternoon, is I know if my chocolate intake increases um, and also um, if I stop exercising would be my two. So I think that can be really helpful too is just to know what your, you know, your early warning signs are where you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. And we used to talk about as our red flags as athletes that, you know, the the signal that you would have when you're like, hang on a minute, I know what I'm about to do or what I've been doing means that I'm not at my best or not feeling my best. And um, even even me at the moment, I haven't been sleeping very well. And what I noticed was that when we're going to bed, my partner and I were just sitting on our phones, scrolling through Instagram, like we were just not even having conversations. And I'm only two days in, so I'm not saying that (laughs) I've actually mastered this yet, but I'm now finally leaving my phone out of the room and charging it in another room. And, you know, at 9.30, I'll put it on charger and then just leave it. So, And I've actually been sleeping so much better. I'm only two nights in, though. So I'm hoping that that routine is something that um, really helps because I just started to think, what are we doing? Like we are just living with our heads in our phones and not even giving ourselves time to get ready to go to bed. Yeah, that's great. That's a great strategy, Bianca. That's fantastic. And it, sometimes it just takes those small tweaks mm-hmm. in our behaviours in our life that can actually make a massive difference. What I really love too around this conversation that you both have brought there around the red flags and what are the signs is it, it, it implies that we don't always know what's going on for us and that our behaviours and our bodies can tell us before we actually mentally are aware so true. And I think too, I don't know if you used to do this when you were an athlete. Well, I, I still see you as an athlete, actually, Bianca, I should say. <laughs> That's but, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, one of the things that we find quite helpful because of that is to even um, start getting good at doing things like a body scan. So what we're actually doing is grounding ourselves or putting our anchor down a bit more, Joe, so that we can start picking up those signals in ourselves earlier. So, you know, that's just starting from the top of your head and just sort of, you know, just being mindful as you go down your body of how is my body feeling today and you know I know when I do that body scan it's really good because I often identify oh gee my 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 right shoulder which locks up when I'm really stressed is actually feeling really tight today and again it's that red flag so having some strategies like that Joe, can be really useful as well. I love it so we're going to move now to self-compassion because we promised we would Mm. and uh you know, the voices in our head, that hypercritical voice that seems always to be with us. And is it more often to be with women, do you think? 100%. Mm. Why? Full Why? <laughs> uh, I wish I had more time with you guys this afternoon. There's so many, so many reasons, I think. But for some reason, you know, and let's just leave that, you know, for another another day. But okay. women seem to be much harder on themselves um, and we have as I said earlier such unrealistic expectations of, of what we can achieve there's actually a, a thing if your listeners want to enjoy reading there's a thing called the type e woman so similar mm. to the type a person it's actually called the type e woman have a read of it if you like and I'm I reckon that um, yes, you too. will identify <laughs> listeners you will identify it's actually good therapy for all of us as women to look at those internal dialogues that we have and as you said Joe, it's the it's the oughts and the shoulds and the you know I should be able to do it all and I I shouldn't you know I should be able to cope with you know 
um, this triple load at the moment. You know, I'm just a whinger if I'm if I'm complaining. You know, all that internal chatter that goes on is is really strong. But we know women um, that that radio channel tends to play a lot louder and a lot more consistently than men. And so what can we do to try and shush that voice that doesn't shut up in our head? (laughs) Shut up. And to actually, is there things that we can focus on or little things that you can give us tips on now to allow us that clarity uh, and that time to go, no, this is a moment where I need to actually put into me? Yeah, I think we have to be very good at um, just catching some of those thoughts to start with. So often we just let them go through to the goalkeeper. We just accept those thoughts as if they're truth, as if they're gospel. And so one of the best things that we can be doing as women is to actually, um, what I call, well, what's been termed, I should say, I can't take credit for it, the three C's, is you want to actually catch it, catch some of these thoughts Um, check them for their accuracy so that you can actually reframe them and change them. So that, you know, those thoughts such as, you know, I should be able to do it all. Let's take that for example. So I'm going to catch that thought. Okay, Sarah, I should be able to do it all. Right, okay, check it. I can't possibly do it all, Sarah. Everything I'm being asked to juggle at the moment in COVID is actually impossible. So how am I going to change that thought? And it is, I've been starting to introduce that sense of self-kindness and self-compassion is actually, Sarah, it's, it's not possible for you to be able to do it all, even at the best of times. And, you know, that's okay. So what are the, the things, what are the things that are most important to you that you're going to prioritise that you can focus on? So that three C's, Bianca, can be a, a really useful strategy, useful to think of, easy to remember, catch it, check it, change it can actually be a really powerful thing for us to start becoming um, a bit more of a friend with our internal dialogue. Mm. I've written that one down too. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my, I have a, I do have a vision board, I will admit, and it's very Oprah, but I have all of my quotes and I'm going to put that up. The three C's, it's so handy to just remind yourself as a mm. sort of a, a, a yeah. refresher each day. Another thing that I like to do is to visualise, it's, it's not a new thing, but when you say be a kind and a friend to yourself, it's about talking to yourself in a really loving way. And I actually imagine that I am holding my own hand and being... I love being that. nurturing of myself. Yeah, Joe, can I? Oh, that's so, it's so I'm so glad that you've raised this because it's so important is that, you know, we're much kinder on our friends and our family. You know, if our friend phoned up and said some of the things that we're saying to ourselves, we'd be the first to say, oh, my goodness, you're being so unrealistic with yourself. Look at what you're juggling at the moment. You know what? Take a deep breath. Be kinder on yourself. And yet for some reason, we actually don't, we don't do that to ourselves. So I often say to people, you know, and in fact, if your listeners take only one thing from this, you know, this afternoon is if you were to actually treat yourself like a good friend, what would look differently for you today? And I can guarantee you if we started to treat ourselves like a good friend, I reckon we'd treat ourselves very differently. And also I I love that so much because how powerful is it when we focus on the possibilities and the opportunities rather than what might go wrong or what might happen. And, you know, I love waking up and just being like, today's going to be a great day. I've got no idea if it will be a great day or not, but at least I'm trying to put myself in that frame of mind to start it off. And then no matter usually what happens throughout the day, by the, I just, all right, I'm able to handle it and cope better with no matter what roller coaster ride is thrown at me. Um, and it's a bit of a fake it till you make it mentality. And I know a lot of people hate that phrase, but for me, just putting it out there is what really helps me tackle whatever's coming my way 
yeah, I think that's good. It's a good attitude to have, isn't it? And it can really shape the day. And I think sometimes that's all we have control over in any day is the attitude that we rock up with on that particular day. We may not have control over anything else, but how am I going to choose to rock up today? Um, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's a great question to ask ourselves and it is something that we actually do have control over. So we've covered a lot today obviously and we could keep talking i wish we could but it's now uh, we're getting on to 145 and people's lunch breaks are i think we might have been in slow joe what do you reckon i absolutely love these conversations bianca and i could talk about this and like this till till we lost our voices which um would be a considerable amount of talking for us to lose our voices (laughs) Um, but i'm wondering if we were to wrap up what are the key messages that you would give women right now who may be feeling like actually I don't feel like I can do this I'm really struggling yeah okay so if people are really struggling I think if you're really struggling um, then remember that there's people that you can reach out to that you're not alone and we know um, Joe and it probably would have been good if I'd raised this earlier too that we know about 25% of Australians are living alone at the moment so really important if you're really struggling to know that you're actually not alone and I think actually just um, being a lot kinder on yourself is such an important message um, Joe that we've talked about and also just really getting back to basics so really thinking about how you can get some you know um, fuel in your cup um, to actually start refueling and actually building you know the foundations of that mental fitness Uh, and even you know rather than feeling overwhelmed by that Joe just starting really small so what's one thing what's a micro step that I can actually take right now whether that might be just going out and getting some fresh air having a glass of water um, you know, just something really small and, and start with baby steps can make a massive difference and stop that downward spiral and actually start, you know, bringing that upward, start um, bringing the spiral, you know, more upward. Mm. And I'm celebrating the baby steps as well. Like they're not a nothing thing. The fact that you got outside, that is not a nothing thing. That's a thing to be really proud of. Here, here. A hundred percent. You know, I think we, I think so often as women, again, we expect so much. We get, oh, I'm going to have to go and run that 10K run tonight. And then we, we bloody feel guilty if we don't. And so we don't do it. You know, we go, well, I can't run the 10K run. So I'm not going to even worry about doing it rather than actually saying, you know what, even if I can go for that 2K walk around the block, that's okay. So I think that we have to actually start reducing our expectations. And I always say momentum, not perfection. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but that's my new mantra, actually, by the way. Oh, I could listen to you all day, Sarah. (laughs) It's really true. It's so true. And the last thing I would say is that time looks after itself in a way and things will change, won't they? Mm -hmm. Things don't stay the same forever. Yeah, that's it. This too will pass. Is that mm. what you're sort of getting at, Joe? I guess. That, I mean, someone know, else said it much better than me. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this too will pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have to hold on to hope, don't we? Yes. I think yes. we always you know, have to be able to hold on to the hope that we have as humans. And, um, yeah, I, I just I, – I, I don't think I can say it better than that. But, um, mm. yeah. If, yeah. we, if we let go of that hope, then I think that can have a real impact, obviously, upon our, our health and our well-being. Well, for me, I, I feel like there's always hope because you've got through hard things before. We all have. Oh, absolutely. Well, you look at you look at Viktor Frankl, yeah, and I just think, you know, look at all the literature. I mean, we could, oh, God, I wish we had more time. But, you know, through through adversity, you know, look at the beautiful stuff that can come 
from from adversity and i'm not trying to be pie in the sky optimistic here i'm all about realism but we know that through adversity incredible growth incredible um realizations about what's most important to us um come to the fore don't they mm. you know i think that that's what that's one of the most beautiful things i think that COVID has presented for all of us and has been this incredible reminder of what's most important mm. Dr. Sarah Cotton, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. I've just loved it. B. Oh, so good. The, yeah. Even just the calm voice, Sarah, that you have makes me feel better. <laughs> it's it's right. really, it's been amazing to have you. Thank you so much for joining us on Broad Radio. Thank you so much to all of our questions and comments on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. If you have been watching, you can like and subscribe and you'll get more Broad Radio from us moving forward. Um, thank you again, uh, Sarah. And don't forget tomorrow at one o'clock, we've got one last live show for Women's Health Week and we're going to be talking about Blessed Sleep. Oh, <laughs> very important, very important. Just one quick thing, just as a duty of care thing, if listening in today that this has raised stuff for your listeners or they're actually not okay, because sometimes we're actually not okay, not okay, mm. just to know that there is help out there. So your GP is always a really good place to start. And um, if you're not feeling okay, so just make sure you know to reach out. Beyond Blue, there's lots of those great mm. resources out there, but really important for people, particularly if they're worried about loved ones at this time as well, that they know it's really important to reach out and get that help as well. And I should mention Jean Hales as well. You should head along there, jeanhales.org.au. They've got some amazing, all the different sorts yeah, of things yeah. you can uh, check into there with Jean Hales. They've got That's podcasts. Right. There's a good podcast. There's a good podcast on the work-life juggle too that, that Janet Mitchamore and I did. So if you want some more strategies to build on what we've talked about today, you can jump on and have a listen to that interview with Janet as well. Yeah, be oh, we love Janet. She's amazing. So, yes, check out Jean Hales. Sarah, thank you so much. Bianca, so much. Uh, it's been awesome. And um, we'll have more Broad Radio tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll see you then. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.